Oh, you know, when we give God glory, it just really builds you up, doesn't it, in your soul. You feel yourself, your soul expanding if that can happen. And um, it really encourages us in our walks. And I pray that as you've heard these testimonies this morning, that you yourself would be challenged in your walk before the Lord. Do I still have such a clear walk before the Lord? When I open my mouth, can people hear that I'm a Christian? I pray that that spoke to you this morning. The word that we're going to look at this morning is from Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses 8 to 9 and 10. And it's a passage that the Lord has burnt into my heart while I was over in Waka. You come across evangelists who've been serving the Lord there for 50 plus years. I met a 94 year old evangelist, a short little man like this. He couldn't speak a word of English. He could speak Amharic, Tauro and all kinds of other languages. And then he, while he was busy trying to communicate with me, he said, wait. And he flipped upside down and did a handstand right in front of me. 94 years, I, I dare you. You know, such energy, and he's still going for the Lord. And that man has been in prison quite a few times. He's been flogged. He's been hit with chains. He's been flogged with rawhide whips because of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He took it into a region when the communists were in charge in Ethiopia, as so many other evangelists experienced. And he was put in prison for his faith just because of the name of Jesus Christ, nothing else. He's not a criminal. And here he was, full of the joy of the Lord, doing handstands. <laughs> you see, there's such a change that Jesus Christ brings about in our lives. We have to be different. And I'm more convinced that than ever before, having seen these Christians in Ethiopia and their fervor for the Lord, the way they sing their songs of worship from their hearts, no one stands here with glazed looks on their faces when they sing it. When they live their lives with fervent energy for the Lord, going way out of their comfort zones and, and going, deep in, going deep into their pockets for the Lord, you see the change that Jesus Christ has brought about. And I'll tell you one thing, it's because of persecution. Lord, save us from persecution in one way, but maybe it's the only way that we as churches in the West will wake up. Through persecution that the church grows. I've seen that with my own eyes. And so, this word from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 to 10, I'd really ask you to open your heart this morning to the Lord and to ask Him, Where do I really stand before you, Lord? And whether you think you've been a Christian for 85 years, it doesn't matter this morning. Evaluate yourself in the light of this word. And then come before the Lord and do what you need to do. And so I'd ask us to turn to Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm just going to read these three verses to you. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, proving what is acceptable to the Lord. On the first Sunday of this year, 6th of January, just before I left for Ethiopia, 
I preached from Psalm 90 verse 12. Teach me to number my days that I may get a heart of wisdom. And when we looked at that passage, we were reminded that our days come from God. And so He is the one that must teach us what to do with our days. He is the one who's given us our days. He is the one that gives you every single breath in your body. And when you wake up in the morning, He has given you a new day. And so we need to bow before Him and ask Him in humility, Lord, show me what to do with my days, those days you've given to me. You see, our days as believers are to count for the Lord. C.T. Studd, a great missionary, said, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. You see, when you get to heaven one day, if you get to heaven, the Lord's not going to ask for a copy of your bank statement. The Lord's not going to ask for your CV. The Lord's not going to ask you to have a quick rundown on all those achievements you've achieved in your life. He's going to ask you, do you belong to me, yes or no? And he'll know. And secondly, what have you done for me? Because only that will last. You see, it's as we speak out the word of the Lord, that's where people's hearts get touched as the Holy Spirit works in them, and that is where they are changed from darkness to light. And they will be standing next to us in heaven. Only those works will last. Nothing else. And so our days have a purpose. And the psalmist said, Lord, teach me to get a heart of wisdom. We ask for God's wisdom as we go through this life. Lord, who do you want me to speak to? Who do you want me to go and see? And we can only do that through his grace alone. And so right at this point, before we even get to our passage, I want to ask you this morning, Is your life counting for Jesus Christ? If you're a believer here today, is your life already counting for Jesus Christ? Or have you lived the last part of your life and it's all been for you? You see, this passage, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, gives us the answer to this question, how can I live a life that counts for Jesus? How do I do that? And the answer is, through this passage, take stock of your situation. In other words, four questions that we get from this passage. Here they are, and we're going to look at them very shortly this morning. What were you before Jesus found you? Secondly, what are you now? As you sit here in the seat this morning, what are you now? Thirdly, where are you going? And fourthly, how are you going to get there? And so that first question is, what were you before Jesus Christ found you? You see, the text has the answer for you this morning. It says, you were once what? You were darkness. Now, very interestingly, this text doesn't say you were in darkness. So there's this good little person, and I'm stuck in the middle of darkness. No, it says you were darkness. There was not a little bit of light in you. There was not a little bit of spiritual life in you. You were lost. You were helpless. You were dead in your sin. You were part of the darkness surrounding you. You were darkness, says our text. You might remember those days. Those days without Jesus Christ. 
those days when you served yourself, those days when all your money went towards what you wanted to do, when all your time was spent on your own energies and what you wanted to pursue in life, you might remember them. You might still be in that situation. You might still be there if Jesus Christ hadn't found you. You see, our text says we were once darkness. And you know, as believers, it's good to stop every now and then to put the rearview mirror on in our lives and to just remember where we've come from. Because in remembering where we've come from, it kind of gives us a perspective on life now. Because we so often forget and so quickly forget where Christ has saved us from. Because we're so busy with our lives. We need to stop and take stock. I once was lost, but Jesus found me in that state. In the African church, they'd be shouting Amen real loud now, so I'll just give you a hint. I'll just preach louder. And so we get to this next question, what are you now? As you sit here as a believer, what are you now? You are light. You see, our text says, now you are light in the world. As much as you were darkness, now you are light. The opposite extreme. But you are not light on your own. You are light, says our text, in the Lord. You cannot be light on your own. You are light in the Lord. You see, there's that beautiful word there. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. That is a heavenly but, that. Because Jesus Christ found you when you didn't want anything to do with him. When you were still pushing him away, Jesus Christ, through his spirit, brought life in you, which opened your spiritual eyes, and then you could see your lostness. And then he brought you from that state of lostness. And he gave you light and put light into you. And now you are light in him. Do you remember the day? You see, some of us have a gradual experience of coming to the Lord. That's fine. Don't doubt your faith. But ask yourself, was there a point in my life when I was darkness and now I'm light? There must be a point. You can't be both light and darkness. You're either one or the other. But God intervened. If you're a believer here, and now our text says you are light in Christ. You are light in the Lord. You cannot stand on your own. You are in Christ. He is in you. Have you ever thought of that? When you're going through one of those Mondays that are ahead of you, and the week is there and your tax returns are supposed to come in, and it's all looking blue, or you start that new job or go to school and everything's strange. If you're a believer, you are in Christ. He is in you. And therefore, as you start that new job, as you go to that school, as you fill in that tax return honestly, you are light because of what Christ is in you. You you don't have to be alone. He is always with you, you see. You are light because of Jesus Christ in you. And, says Philippians 2 verse 15, you are lights in the midst of darkness in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation. You see, once you became a believer, the Lord didn't take you from this earth and take you to be with Him. That would have been the shortcut. He kept you here for a purpose. Because you are now light in Him, He wants you to shine out in this world. And so He's left you in your family. 
And yes, sometimes they're a terrible family. They probably say the same about you. And yes, he's left you with your colleagues, the ones who pick on you. Your boss is always looking out for what you're doing wrong. And at school, he might have left you with those people who keep making fun of you because you say you're a Christian. But he's left you here with a purpose, and that is to be a light in the darkness, a light among crookedness, a light among perversion. That is your role. But you see, we need to ask ourselves this question, and I pose this very same question to a thousand young people sitting in front of me the the day before I left Ethiopia. I said, Jesus has put light into you. He is light in you. How bright does that light shine out? Maybe your batteries are quite low. You've got one of those little torches that you kind of shine the light, but you can hardly see what's happening. Is that the type of light you are for Jesus Christ? He is in you, you see. If He's not shining brightly out of your life, it's not Him. It's the filters of sin that are clogging up your life so that that light can't get out. You need to deal with it. Because Christ wants us to be bright lights, floodlights, shining out the light into the darkness. There's to be no excuse. People mustn't wonder if we are light or darkness. They must see there's a bright light shining here. It's shining all over me. Why? Because it's Jesus Christ shining out of me. It's not me. He is in me. I am in Him. And so I ask you this morning, as a believer, is your light shining brightly at work in your family at school, at university? Does it shine brightly? Do people even know that you're a believer? Have you flown that flag of the Lord Jesus Christ? When they ask you, you're going to church on Sunday, what do you do that for? Do you shine out brightly for Jesus in that moment? He is in you. You are in Him. You you are light in Jesus Christ. And so we come to our third question this morning. Where are you going? If you're a believer here this morning, I ask you the question and the answer is found in the text. You can find it there. Where are you going? You see, we are children of light. It says, walk as children of light. So where are we going? We are children of light. We are going towards the light. Yes, there's light in us. Jesus Christ is in us. But we are heading towards eternal light. And that's going to be with Jesus Christ in heaven one day. Who looks forward to that day? Three. Great. That's great. It's going to be a fantastic time to be with Christ all the time. And God is going to be there and the Spirit's going to be there. I don't know how it's all going to work, but we are going to be in light. When I was speaking to the churches in Ethiopia, you see the people's faces radiating as you speak about these things. They're looking forward to being with Jesus Christ. They live in harder circumstances than what we live. They are looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ. Because then that hardship will be over. No more living in mud huts. No more running around on roads that haven't seen tar for any time in their lives. No more wondering where your next meal is going to come from. When I was in the streets of Addis Ababa seeing, I thought it was just a piece of cloth on the road and I kind of walked around it and it moved. It was a man bent over, his legs and arms were under his body. He was so hunched back, it was a ball of flesh 
on the road with, covered with a piece of cloth. Jesus Christ is coming again and that will be no more. That really spoke to my heart. Because I asked myself, does this man know Jesus Christ? You see, we are children of light. Are you still living a life which shows that you are a child of light? Or have you been so absorbed by this world that you are taking on the colors of this world like a chameleon? And when the world looks at you, they think you are just one of them. I'm challenging you as believers. I was challenged in this time away. Do I stand up strongly for Jesus Christ? Yes, as a pastor in a church. Do I stand up for Jesus Christ or do I go through the motions? Am I a bright light for Jesus Christ? Walk as children of light, you see. We've been given a big picture. We know we are going towards the light. God hasn't told us the little part of that picture. He hasn't told us the day by day of that. That is revealed to us every day as we go through life. You see, unexpected stuff happens to us, doesn't it? Or is your life completely mapped out? Mine isn't. I never thought I'd be going to Ethiopia in the first place. God reveals to us His plans for us step by step. But we know the big picture. We know where we are going. And so He says, walk as children of light. You see, again, man has his plans. But the Lord directs his steps every day. Are you walking as a child of light as God reveals every day to you? How are we to get to heaven? Last question this morning. We are to walk as children of light. You see, there's a command there. It's a going forward thing. You can't sit in the Christian life and think it's going to just happen to you and one day by osmosis you'll just be there. There's a command for you and I. We've got to walk as children of light. It's a going forward process. It's not a sitting down in the couch and letting other people come to me. And if the opportunity arises, yes, I might speak about Jesus Christ. No, it's a going out to others and walking as children of light. I have examples there of evangelists who have been in prison 25 plus times in their lives. They've lost their wives. They've lost their children. They've lost their grandchildren. They've lost what the world would call a future. Gone. Because they had a need in them to walk as children of life because God said, I want you to go into the next valley where the people kill other people where they might kill you too where there's malaria around, so you could get sick, you could die there, where there are other diseases, there are crocodiles in the rivers. I want you to go in there. Why? Because they haven't heard the gospel. And so these people leave their wives and their children, and they go and take the gospel to those people. And then if they survive that, they come out, and they take their wives with them and their children, and they go back into those dangerous areas. And sometimes the whole family loses their lives. But why do they do it? They've been given a command, you see. Walk as children of light. You know, what really challenged me when I heard some of those stories? How come we can't go across the road? How come I can't go next door? Just to speak about Jesus Christ. As a church... How come we haven't got more evangelists who want to go out into our community? Lord... Are we walking as children of light, you see? Have we forgotten that we're here to walk? That was a great challenge on me. 
You see, we are to be, says chapter 5, verse 1, we are to be followers. The literal word there is we are to be imitators of God. I'll tell you a little story. Where we stayed in Waka, every time we walked up the road, and Don can attest to this, he'll probably have told you already, every time we walked up the road, little children would come out and they would shout, you, 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 at us, because that's the only English word they know. And um, this kind of got a bit irritating after a while, so I thought, hmm, child psychology. So I asked them, what is the, uh, the uh, Amharic word, for, the Dara word for children, uh, for you? And they said, ante. So I thought, right, next child. And so the children came, and the first one that said to me, you, 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 I said, auntie, auntie, auntie. And he nearly fell over backwards. <laughs> but that wasn't the main part of the story. There was one guy who was really persistent, one little boy, and he lived near the compound where we were. And every time we'd come out, he would get him behind, next to me. He never did it to Don for some reason, but for, with me. And he would copy everything I did for a little while until he could see that I was really getting a bit, you know, just getting on top of me now. Every single thing I did, he would do. And we kind of formed a strange relationship. But you see, in a way, that is what Christ calls us to do. He says to us, I want you to imitate God. How do I do that? Imitate God? Well, you see, God sent the Lord Jesus Christ, didn't he? He showed us how to live. God gave us his word. This is the instruction manual on how to live. What else do we need? That little boy didn't have that. He could just copy me. God says to us, imitate God. That's how we walk as children of light. Tell me how deeply are you in the word every day, imitating God? How closely do you follow in the steps of Jesus Christ, taking out the gospel where it needs to go? Imitating God. We have to be imitators of God. That is what it is to walk as children of light. Our verses in verse 9, we are to bear the fruit of the Spirit, to be found in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. You see, we are to bear fruit of light. If you say you're a child of light, the question that immediately comes, do you see in your life fruit of light? If you're a child of light, there must be fruit of light. If you want to read more about what those fruits are, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 26. Go and look them up this afternoon. Go and get before the Lord and ask the Lord, Lord, are these fruits in my life? If you look back on your life over these past many years that you've been a believer, can you see the fruit of light in your life? If you can't see that fruit in your life, don't kid yourself anymore, to use an Americanism. Stop playing games. You cannot be a believer. It doesn't matter what's happened in your life. You cannot be a believer if there is no fruit. Or, you've held on too tightly to sin. And it's growing in your life. And it's pushing that fruit out of your life. Because the Holy Spirit will not give you fruit if there is sin constantly present in your life and you're not dealing with it. So it's two things. If you're a believer and you don't see fruit in your life, go and look for the sin in your life. Because it will be there. And take it to the Lord and ask Him to take it away so that you can once again walk as a child of light, taking out the light into the world. Because at that moment you are shining out a very dim light. And Christ is not being glorified. Or if you don't see the fruit in your life, 
ask the Lord to save your soul because He hasn't done it yet. Can only be those two. So how are you to get there? You are to imitate God and you are to bear fruit of light. And only the Holy Spirit can give you that fruit. And so I ask you this morning, take stock of your life this morning as we come before this passage and ask yourself before the Lord, Lord, is there fruit in my life? Do a realistic check before the Lord. Let His Spirit show you and be sensitive to what that Spirit is showing you. And if you see the fruit in your life, then praise God and count your blessings every day and make your life count for Jesus Christ. And if you don't see that fruit, bow before your holy God and ask Him to take away that entrenched sin in your life. Our text says you are having fellowship or literally you are camping out with works of darkness, says verse 11. Don't camp out anymore with sin in your life. Deal with it as the Lord deals with it. And so I want to come back to the question I started with this morning. Is your life going to count for Jesus Christ this year? You're right at the beginning of the year, you're in the month of February. Is your life going to count for Jesus Christ? Or is it going to be just another year where you kind of live half for Jesus, half for yourself? Make this year count for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to give you two examples this morning of two people I met. These are true examples of children of light. The one is called Dick McClellan. No, that's not Amharic. That is true Oz. He's an Aussie missionary. He's written a book about some of the things that have happened to the evangelists that he's worked with. He's a real 007 of evangelism. You see, the Lord saved him at an early age in Sunday school. And the Lord took him from from Australia, the Lord took him to Ethiopia, and he's the actual missionary who took over after the kings left. Well, he's 84 now. And I met him a few days before we left. And what a man of God. You see, at 84 years old, he's left the mission service long ago, but he hasn't left the service of the Lord. He comes back every year from Australia to Ethiopia at 84 years old. He rents a land cruiser. He takes two evangelists, put the stuff in the back, and 007 and his compatriots, they head off into the bush to areas where the gospel still has not been heard at 84 for six weeks in a year. And they go down into areas covered with malaria. They can still get robbed because robbers are are really thriving now because People need stuff. They're going to areas where there's sickness. And this guy does this every single year. I think I'll put a photo of him for you. I want to challenge you this morning. You can't meet Dick personally. Maybe not now. We'll see what what the Lord does. But we've got some of these books coming to this church for our library. You need to read what him and these evangelists have been through for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot read this and not weep. And this happened up to 1991. It's just the other day. It's not back in this, you know, the good old days. Read about the faithfulness of children of light because of the Lord. And then I want to tell you about a second man, Mahai Choramo. He's also an evangelist. And this is him. I want to read you a little extract. Did I bring the right book? Yes, I did. 
I want to read you a little extract about his life. So just listen, I'm going to quote directly from Dick's book. Evangelist Mahai Choramo was the first Ethiopian national missionary I ever met, and he was in prison. Early in the morning at an altitude of 8,500 feet, it was cold as I walked into Bulky Town. That's Dick speaking now. A group of prisoners sat against the bamboo fence trying to get warm in the sun. An armed guard stood watch over them. Mahai, that's this man, had shackles on his wrists and around his ankles. The chains rattled when he moved. His clothes were ripped and splattered with blood. His face was puffed up, his lip was split, and he had lost quite a lot of skin from a savage beating he had endured during the night. Large drops of blood dripped onto his shoulder from an open head wound. There were cuts and bruises all over his body, and he was obviously in a lot of pain. You see, officials had Mahai beaten up because of his preaching. When I asked about Mahai's wounds, the prison guards were somewhat embarrassed. They quickly shuffled all the prisoners back into the filthy huts. There was just time for me to put my hand onto his and to give him a squeeze. From my pocket, I gave him some painkillers and a couple of pieces of bread. I slipped a few dollars into his blood-soaked shirt pocket and said, I'll pray for you. It was our first meeting, but it changed my life and helped shape my future ministry. This wasn't the first time Mahai had been incarcerated for preaching, nor would it be his last once I counted with him the number of times he had been arrested and imprisoned for, God, for, God's, for, for the gospel's sake, we counted 27 times. Since then, he has been imprisoned at least six more times. Usually it was for a few weeks or months, sometimes longer. Once he spent a f- five long years in a prison. Like all the Ethiopian evangelists, Mahai accepted persecution and suffering as a part of his ministry. Inconvenient. Difficult for his family, but necessary. A price to pay as an ambassador for Jesus Christ. He knew he was called to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Gladly he suffered the the privations, the abuse, the beatings and the imprisonments for Christ. Being in jail gave Mahai the opportunity to share the good news with an attentive, captive audience. They couldn't go anywhere else. And many a believer has testified that he came to Christ after hearing the gospel from an evangelist while in prison. And this book tells the story of some of those prisoners who came to Christ and then go back and evangelize the lost. We have it so easy in this country. We have it so easy. I want to challenge you this morning. There's an Ethiopian custom that I learnt. And I love it. You see, when someone is brought to the Lord Jesus Christ, when someone takes the gospel to a person and they come from darkness to light, they are challenged to put their two hands in the air like this, the arms. With one hand, I renounce Satan. With the other hand, I surrender to Jesus Christ. You see, it's full commitment. I want to ask you here this morning, if you do not yet know the Lord Jesus Christ, are you going to hold on with both hands to this world? Because if you carry on holding to this world, you will be like this when you land in hell one day. You need to surrender to Jesus Christ with both hands. You need to give yourself to Him completely. He is the only one who can also take you from darkness to light. 
Because if you do not know Jesus Christ, you are in darkness. Don't play around with this anymore. The gospel has come to you this morning. The challenge from God's word is right in your ears this morning. You need to pay attention. Come to me while I may be found, says the Lord. And so I plead with you this morning, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, come to him today. Don't think you'll do it another day. Come to him today. And there'll be time afterwards. Come and see one of us and let's pray with you. And let's see you brought from darkness to light, from death to life. And Jesus Christ will do that. I plead with you young people, if you do not yet know the Lord Jesus Christ, don't look to the faith of your parents. You need to know the Lord Jesus Christ yourself. Come to him today. And I want to speak to you if you are believers here today. At the beginning of a year, are you going to live another year half for Jesus, half for yourself? Or are you too going to raise both hands in the air and say, Lord Jesus, I trust you completely this year. I live for you completely this year with both hands. I no longer hold on to anything in this world, but both hands I give to you, Lord. I don't want to hold on to this world anymore, but to you. Will you stand with me this morning? Will you stand with me with both arms in the air and let's rededicate our lives to the Lord. As a church, let's rededicate this church to the Lord. We cannot carry on as we are. You see, we've got to walk as children of light as a church. And that means we've got to go forward in the Lord. We've got to be obedient to Him. We've got to take the word out. We have to have people standing up to say, I will go out. And whether it's to Ethiopia or across the street, I will go wherever the Lord sends me. Will you be one of those today? Or are you going to hold on to the world because maybe you're a bit nervous? Or maybe you think, I haven't got the skills to tell anyone the gospel. Well, if you've been born again, the gospel's happened in you. You need to be able to tell somebody. It's happened to you. And so stand with me this morning. And I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to turn around. I don't need to see who's standing with me. I'm going to stand before the Lord and rededicate my life. And I ask you to join me. And you can just stand where you are if you want to. And don't worry about your friends today. Don't worry about those other people who have been here for 65 years with you. Don't say, well, I'm too old. I can't do it today. You see, obedience is not a matter of age or energy level. Obedience is defined by willingness to serve Jesus Christ and to share him with others. Can you turn your head? Can your mouth open? Then you can serve him with others. And so you can rededicate your life before him. Can we do this on our own? 2 Corinthians 12.9 says this. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. You see, if we come before the Lord and we are weak before Him as a church, the Lord will give us His strength. It will be made perfect through us. And we will be a bright shining light in this community. But if we carry on as we are in our own strength, the Lord will take our candlestick away as a church. I'm convinced. He has told me He will. In his word. We need to give ourselves to him this morning. And so I ask you this morning, and I'm going to turn around, I don't need to know anything. You come before the Lord and if you want to rededicate yourself to him, you might feel weird. Put your hands up in the air and, yes, this is Calvin speaking. Put your hands up in the air and rededicate yourself to the Lord. Both hands on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will stand before the Lord today and we will say, Lord 
Use us as Wanganui East Baptist Church to reach this community with the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ because we are surrounded by people who do not yet know you, who live in darkness and in helplessness and in hopelessness their lives. Use us, we pray. And Lord, as we cling to you alone, Lord Jesus Christ, help us when our hands start getting weary and when they start reaching down to the things of the world, help us to hold only onto you, Lord Jesus Christ, so that you will use us with your strength and your light, which is in us, so that we will be lights for Jesus Christ in this community of Wanganui East. Lord, may the gospel go out from this place and may it reach out into the furthest parts of this world, even past Ethiopia, because you are sending some of us with that gospel message. Use us as a church, we pray. Use me for your gospel message, I pray. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.